Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Now, what we're doing is we're continuing our Joy to the World series, and today's message is actually going to be subtitled, Those in Waiting. And that's for all of us as we're waiting for this pandemic to end and waiting for life to return to some semblance of normalcy. But what we're doing is we're going to meet Jesus during this time. For those of you who already know him, we're going to be encouraged and strengthened in him. And for those of you who don't know him, it's going to be a clear invitation for you to come into the knowledge of God and into relationship with him. And we're going to focus on this by this statement today that God brings joy to those who wait on his consolation. We're going to break the message down into three parts. We're going to talk first about what you're actually waiting for. Number two, we're going to talk about the joy in the waiting. And then number three, we're going to talk about what God is actually waiting for. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your good news and that you've given us great joy. That's really for all the people, for those of us who are on this, um, um, participating in this service today, as well as the world at large. And God, we pray that we, you'd firmly embed us in that great joy that's meant for the whole world and you would empower us to deliver it in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So let's start by talking about what are you waiting for? And what we're obviously ultimately waiting for is consolation from life's pain. 2020 has brought it in many facets, whether it be through the pandemic or the political turmoil or all of the social unrest. And all of us are almost in a megaphone type vacuum waiting for God's consolation. But what we see is in Luke chapter two, starting in verse one, we see the advent of Jesus, the bringing of the Messiah to the earth and why that was joy from uh, to the world in the midst of the pain that they were experiencing. So let's begin by reading in verse one. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. 
And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So what can we learn from this in the midst of our Advent season, which is celebrating the coming of Jesus Christ? Well, the first first thing that we need to acknowledge is that God is constantly at work behind the scenes to bring about his spoken word, including great joy to those who would receive him in the world. At the beginning of this recounting of Christ's arrival, we see that the historian Luke making reference to the events that would actually fulfill ancient prophecy. Now, we've spoken before about the Israeli prophet Isaiah, but here, a contemporary of the prophet Isaiah, the Israeli prophet Micah, wrote the following words approximately 700 years prior to the arrival of Jesus. In Micah 5, 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So God is literally through Micah prophesying about the coming of his son, that he would be co-eternal with God coming as from the ancient of days from eternity past to manifest himself in the world but he would manifest not just anywhere but in Bethlehem in Bethlehem an obscure town in the uh, small nation of Israel God would bring the savior of the world so he talked first prophetically about the place that the Messiah would be born But secondly, we see it's also writ significant that Jesus was born of the kingly Davidic line. Remember King David, who we talked about in our covenant series? Well, as it's written in Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6, the Messiah, if he was going to be identified, needed to be of that Davidic line. Because it said, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord is our righteousness. So when we go back to Luke's account of the advent of Jesus, we see that God would order national affairs to fulfill the prediction spoken by the prophets as to the birthplace and the lineage of Christ. And if God can do that in the ordering of the advent of his son, how much more so is he working in our time in the pandemic when you feel like he may be distant from you? God is absolutely at work behind the scenes. He was then, he is now as his son has lived, died on that cross and been resurrected from the dead, now ruling and reigning over all creation. The point over and over again is that every word of God will be fulfilled. And this includes God's consolation and joy for his people who've experienced pain. Now, among other things, the word consolation means comfort. And though God wants to bring consolation, 
We need to be careful that what you allow to be that for what you most long, that what you think will give you comfort and joy isn't actually the wrong thing. It's as C.S. Lewis said with great insight in his book, The Screwtape Letters, talking about the things that the devil or the enemy uses to pull us away from the plans and purposes and the life and love of God. He actually said prosperity, one of those things that people um, think about when they think about returning to life as normal or getting back to things as the as they previously were. Prosperity, C.S. Lewis said, knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it, meaning the world, is finding its place in him. And before the pandemic, before all of this was going on around us, think about how the routine or the flow of your life was actually going. Was it going well? And if it was going well, was it to the extent that it was causing you to glorify God more? Or was the ease or the, um, uh, the ease and the comfort and also the success of life causing more of the world's attachments to find itself in you? Well, God a lot of times will allow circumstances to be shaken and circumstances to shift so that what was anchoring us to the world might actually be uprooted. And then once again, we might actually turn our sights to the true place, the place where we might actually find true joy and consolation, which is in him. And so it's interesting that God even by example chose first to reveal himself to those who were ordinary men in that Luke passage who were outside of the power circles of their society. The shepherds were those who would have been familiar with not great adulation, but with stigma, but were at the same time vital to Israel's ongoing economy at the time. God thus declared that no one is too great or too small to meet his anointed king. He loves and cares for everyone and wants to bring that great joy to all mankind. Now the shepherds had observed the oppression of Roman rule from the wilderness, their personal wilderness on the outskirts of society. And God chose to meet them there. Now, why that's important is that if you feel like you're in a wilderness today, the good news is that God is coming to meet you right where you are. And just as the shepherds knew that it was going to be great joy for all the people that the coming of Christ would actually bring and the salvation that he would actually bring, so it will be for you. But what did the shepherds do? They decided to travel together to meet the Christ. And in traveling together, they found joy in the waiting. And we find joy in the waiting as we together put our trust in God's promises. The shepherds, when they went to Bethlehem, they found Jesus just as they were told. And why we focus on the word of God week after week, day after day, is because God will ultimately always be true to his word. And it's going to be just as we're told, just as it was just like the shepherds were told in that annunciation. And just as at his first coming, it was just as the shepherds were told. So it will be at the second coming or the second advent of Christ whenever Jesus makes his return. 
And ultimately, the joy in the waiting is found in the fact that ultimately, not only has Jesus come, but he's going to come again to set all things right that we see wrong around us today. And that's why famed British preacher Charles Spurgeon actually said this, that the Christian, despite things like the pandemic, the Christian is the most contented man in the world, but he is the least contented with the world. He is like a traveler in an inn, perfectly satisfied with the inn and its accommodation, considering it as an inn, but putting quite out of all consideration the idea of making it his home. And that's the truth of our reality today, that the joy and consolation that we're looking for is not just that the pandemic will end one day, but that ultimately this isn't our final resting place. This isn't our home. And Jesus who came, came to bring us into that reality. Yet as we wait, the message of Christmas is clear that whatever's going on around us, we're to fear not. And Jesus is the savior that the world needs. It's what Rick Warren, who's the famed pastor of Saddleback Church out in California, even said after suffering great loss um, uh, in the passing of his own son. He said, you never know God is all you need until God is all you have. Why? Well, it's because as Ronald Nash, who was a famed apologist said, every person has something that concerns her ultimately. And whatever it is, that object of ultimate concern is that person's God. And over and over again, these things in place of God that we hope to achieve and satisfy so often fail us. I think that's been blasted on megaphone in the midst of the pandemic. Yet God wants to put all our concerns in the right perspective so that we might actually find joy in him no matter our times or season. And for every need that we have during the pandemic or any other time in life, Jesus has continually shown himself as the constant supply to that need. And comfort and joy come from truly knowing who Jesus is. Well, what did the angel say about Jesus in his advent, in his enunciation of his coming? Well, he said at least three things. That number one, Jesus is a savior. That Jesus comes to save us from our sins against a holy and righteous God who would have to basically punish us for our sins and send us to hell for our rebellion against him. Lest Jesus came and lived the perfect life that he would ultimately live for you and for me. And on the cross died the sacrificial death that you and I should have died so that by his resurrection from the dead, we turning away from our sins could have new life in him. Jesus was a savior for us from our sins and from ourselves so that we might have peace with God. But he was proclaimed number two as the Christ, which was the Greek word for the Hebrew Messiah. The one, it was basically a title speaking of God's anointed deliverer of his people so that they were stuck in bondage. They were stuck in oppression, even at that time under Roman rule. And God said, ultimately, I'm going to rescue you from what's holding you in chains 
internally, and then in my return, I'll ultimately deliver you from that which is binding you externally. Let me deal with the internal issue first, free you from the inside out, and then I will give you the freedom to walk, to rule, and to reign with me in my return. And then number three, Jesus was described in the Annunciation as Lord, proclaiming to the shepherds and to us that Jesus is God himself, the creator who rules over all. And just as Jesus grew to fulfill the words of his prophesied miracle ministry, so our understanding of Christ, no matter what background you're coming from, so our understanding of Christ can grow to meet him in new ways as we, like the shepherds, travel together. And there is joy in togetherness as we collectively remind one of the, one another of those most important promises of God that he meets and supplies every need that we have, even during times like the pandemic. Well, what do I mean like by that? Well, in Jesus ministry, as he grew, he started in the manger, but he didn't remain in a manger. And as he grew, as he started his ministry in his 30th year, it said that Jesus would be stability in turbulent times and his authority would literally supernaturally calm physical storms during his day. God is the one who rules over our times and seasons and can calm storms by his spoken word. Jesus would himself, though, also know fatigue, hunger, and thirst in his human frame, and so can understand and console us in the midst of our suffering. For those who are in um, need because of even the things that are happening during the pandemic, Jesus is known as a miracle worker, providing for those with felt needs, financial or otherwise. You see, the church takes care of itself, meaning we take care of one another. We try to help those in need in our community, but also God can also supernaturally provide for your financial needs as he did in the scripture. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is gentle and humble in heart, inviting those who are weary and heavy laden. He's a healer of sickness, pain, and disease, not only in the Gospels, but during our time. We've seen it over and over again. Jesus is the creator who calls us and knows our way when we feel lost. And if that's not been a constant theme, I don't know what is that the pandemic has caused people to feel like they've lost their way. But our creator, Jesus Christ, knows our way and he knows his plans and purposes for us, for a hope and a future to prosper us, not to harm us as we turn to him. He is the builder of his church, setting the lonely in family. Jesus provides peace for those who've been under mental and spiritual oppression. As everybody's been talking about the challenge of mental health during this time, the good news is, is that the one who's given us our thoughts knows every one of them. He says, I order and speak peace to them. He's also the one who can deliver people who've been tormented by demonic forces both day and night while they've been in isolation in their homes. Jesus is forevermore the resurrector of the dead. He provides forgiveness of sins to those who've gone astray through the difficulty of the pandemic. He's the Lord of the harvest, rescuing even a world set against him by turning them back to him at the cross. And why? It's because God intends good for 
for the world. And God sees you just like he saw the shepherds. God sees you when nobody else does. He sees you in isolation, in wanderings, and in your own personal wilderness. God meets you right where you are and brings you to meet his Christ. He brings you, even through the virtual space, to meet his Christ, that Jesus Christ might be a savior to you, might be the Christ to you, might be your Lord, and actually change your life forever. During the pandemic, it's been an amplification of the fact that people are desperately looking for peace and joy. And there can be joy while we're waiting on God's ultimate return, God's ultimate consolation. But here's the thing we need to get from the Annunciation. It's important that the peace that Christ brings is, according to the angel, among those whom God is pleased. Not just everyone. His peace, the very peace that people are looking for, the joy and the consolation that people are looking for. Everybody's looking for that thing. I desperately in this pandemic just need some peace. I desperately just need some joy in my life. I desperately just need some comfort. Well, he says it's with those with whom he's pleased. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, he means that it was true then, it's true now, and it will ultimately be true at his return. And what he, when he's pleased with somebody, it means that they've put their trust in his unfailing love. They've put his trust, their trust in what Christ accomplished for them at the cross, being a substitute for them, taking the wrath of God for them that he might, as Jeremiah prophesied, be our righteousness, our right standing before God. But then not only putting a trust in him, but then following him as the Lord that he was proclaimed to be. And as we trust in him as our righteousness, as we turn to him as our Lord, he's pleased with us. Why? Because what God's waiting for is a people made ready for Christ's return. And we see that as we continue to read in that same Luke 2 passage about a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna. And in verse 22, it says this, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, meaning Mary and Joseph, brought him, meaning Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy or set apart to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, meaning Simeon, took him, meaning Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. 
And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him, of him rather, of Jesus, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child, meaning Jesus, grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And so what we see in Simeon and Anna are the types of people that God is waiting for. God was giving the promise that to Simeon, you won't die until you see the, the coming of my Christ, the, the one who's going to be Messiah, bringing the consolation, the comfort of Israel. Anna, you've devoted your life to me in prayer and in fasting and looking to advance this kingdom through your intercession. And you also will have the great privilege of seeing the salvation of the Lord. And what we see God's waiting on is for people like this who are prepared not only for his first advent because Jesus has already come. Jesus was already born of a virgin. He already lived sinlessly. He already died on the cross sacrificially. He already rose from the dead after his miracle ministry. And now he is going to come again. But what God's waiting for is a people like Simeon and like Anna who ordered their lives in such a way that were waiting on his return. And sometimes you are drawn to meet Jesus, just like the shepherds were beckoned to come and meet Jesus in Bethlehem. But other times God, by his mercy, comes and meets you to draw you to his Christ. And that's what this virtual space has been by God's mercy, even in the midst of the pandemic. I know people who hadn't been in church or in years or had never been in a church have been joining services and have been meeting the living God because God has come to meet them. But what happens when he gives you his word? He wants you to order your life in such a way where you're prepared for his advent, his coming, not his first coming. Coming, you celebrate his first coming, but you ready yourself for his second. And either way, we need to respond when he comes. But how do we need to respond? Well, ultimately, what the pandemic's shown us is that we cannot be those who just live according to our preferences, right? We need to go to God when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. We need to seek God where he can be found and not expect him to just follow us wherever we want to be. We need to follow God's leadership and God's call. And details matter here because it matters that you realize this and respond in this way regardless of who you were. Mary and Joseph, they were probably based on the the offerings of pigeons and doves that they gave, they were probably of meager means or of a poorer class, not giving the uh, traditional 
not giving the uh, traditional offering that um, maybe somebody who was more well-off would have given at the time. Simeon and Anna didn't speak about their pedigree or their position in society, but what they were identified by was what God called them, righteous and devout. Righteous and devout. And that spoke more so of their, not their preferences, but their proximity to God. Anna, after she lost her husband, she devoted herself in the temple to fasting and prayer, saying, God, my life, even in the midst of my loss, is going to, it's going to be my wake up call that I'm going to have my life ordered around you, that what you were waiting for was to capture my heart, that I might see the Christ in his coming. And that's what he did for Anna. That's what he wants to do for us. The question is, what will we do with his waiting? What will we do with it? Well, joy was given to Simeon as a faithful follower of God for him to fulfill his prophetic promises of seeing the Messiah. Joy was given to Anna while she was waiting because she was she was affirmed that her life's work and prayer to see the kingdom of God come wasn't in vain, but it would actually be fulfilled by God's spoken word. And it will the joy that they had will be yours when you order your life for God's coming as well. But the question is, what are you waiting for? And what is God waiting for? Well, Christ came and he's going to come in Ken. And like Simeon, the question is, will you be waiting? And like Anna, will you be ready? If so, there's joy in the waiting because because of Christ's finished work at the cross and Christ's finished work at the cross gives us an opportunity not only to celebrate the his first coming, but also to help speed his to return. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, we can do the same thing, the very same thing, learning the lessons of the shepherds, Simeon and Anna that they did during their time. Number one, we can believe the words of God like the shepherds, like Simeon, like Anna, that the very same thing that God spoke before he will do again. Christ will make his return and we will be ready. Number two, we can make haste like the shepherds to meet Jesus. Make haste. Now, when you hear the word of God, and if you know that you're not right with God or that you need to come to repentance, even as a believer, you know that no one is promised tomorrow. You know that you need to make your peace with God while he might be found by you is what the scripture says. And so you need to give yourself to God in fullness, in wholeness, when you're given the opportunity. Make haste to meet Jesus is number two. And once you do, worship him and make known this good news of great joy that will be for all the people. As Jesus already said, this gospel, this good news of the kingdom will be preached to every nation, every people group, and then the end will come. So in this Advent season, as we celebrate Christ's first coming, the question is, God, is am I ready? Is my heart right before you? Am I living like the shepherds, like Simeon and like Anna, to be in a place of great joy as I wait on your consolation and also your great peace? And if not, God help me today to get right so that I might be a vessel who's not only waiting, but prepared to meet you when you make your return.
So that's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of his advent. And I want to give everyone an opportunity to make your peace with Jesus today. So if you say to yourself, you know what? I've heard this message of the Christmas story, the nativity, God coming in his son, Jesus Christ, many times before. But you know what? I've never submitted my life and my heart to him. I know that if I were to stand before God today, God would have to judge me because of my sin and rebellion against him. I would deserve death and hell, but I don't want it anymore. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me as you turn away from sin and to the God of all peace who comes to give you great joy? God Almighty, I thank you for your love for me. And I thank you that you sent Jesus, your son, in a manger to live the perfect life I should have lived. And on the cross dies the sacrificial death I should have died because of my rebellion against you. I'm sorry for my sin, and I ask you to forgive me. I believe that because Jesus was sinless, three days later, you raised him from the dead. So not only could I have forgiveness of sins, but new life in you, eternal life in you. God, would you make me a new creation today as I proclaim Jesus as my Lord? Thank you for your love for me. Teach me how to love you from this day forward for the rest of my days in his mighty name. Amen. Now, the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to actually walk out this new life in Christ with a community of fellow travelers like the shepherds going to meet Jesus together. So we invite you to do that and find a community group where you can do that on a regular basis. Throughout this week, we're encouraging you to get involved in our community groups where you can find both virtual and in-person options for you on our website. We'll be praying for you this week and please do let us know if you need anything, but we love you. God bless you. And please do bring a friend next week who also needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless.